that helps you not only to understand the product better but also gives you a real time demonstration about what you're buying sachin bhatia has made the shopping experience refined reliable and efficient by live streaming in a language that completely suits you his company bulbul has only been in the market for a couple of years but it has most certainly made a bold mark in the industry all thanks to sachin's vision this time on founder thesis We have Akshadat in conversation with the founder of Bulbul, Sachin Bhatia. Tune in. You studied in DPS Arkapuram, right? That's right. So, uh, what was that experience like? I mean, I am a DPS Arkapuram product myself, and I know oh, yeah. that yes. it's like a unfortunate crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, school school was school here. I, I mean, I personally don't have. I mean, I have fond memories of school. I think uh, you know, you have friends, and I'm still my mm. closest friends are still my buddies from school. Uh, got up to a lot of mischief, you know, studied a bit, had some fun. But when I look back, or when I look at the kind of schools my kids have had the opportunity to go to, you know, it it could have been so much better, right? Uh, I mean, one reflection of like a really good school is the alumni association. that a school has uh, and since you are from dps you uh, i mean i don't know how it it is now but we never had have a strong alumni i mean I, i'm in touch with four five of my school friends but that's because we we were friends in school so there's no opportunity to kind of connect and i think that that's just a reflection of the kind of school it is yeah okay okay and uh, you had science in your plus 2 or what did you take? no i i did commerce yeah mm-hmm. okay so uh, you know in dps my personal experience is like maybe 10% of the kids there uh, have like a really good experience in terms of participating in debates or whatever and the remaining 90% just like get by so were you in that 10% category or in the 90% category yeah, i was uh, at the cost of sounding boastful in the 10% <laughs> category so yeah. i was uh, part of the quizzing team i was mm. uh, part of the the dramatics team i was in i don't know if they still mm. have it and if they continue with it which was a very classic system of labeling sections by ability so i was uh, in the ability section in commerce yeah. my yeah. friends were in uh, semi abilities and then there okay. were some friends mm. in in non ability and that's how it was called it was like officially called it wasn't like uh, you know it was officially known as that which mm. of course wouldn't pass muster today yeah. uh, in these yeah. politically correct times but that's that's yeah. what it was but uh, you know i think the good thing is yeah. you know one didn't mm-hmm. uh, it didn't stop us from mingling with each other right actually some people used to wear it as a badge of honor that uh, they were in a semi ability or a non ability section <laughs> uh, but yeah no mm-hmm. i was uh, i was in the 10% yeah. 
So, academics was not what drove you. It was like more oh yeah, clearly, non-academic clearly, clearly. team no, no, kind of stuff. Yeah, like like you wanted to work with people rather than sit and study. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was also a function of uh, what I studied. So I think I would have been happier if I had taken you know political science, history, which was called arts, and which was obviously at that time totally looked down upon and probably. But I think if I had taken arts, I would have been uh, at least, I would have been much happier. I think because that's what uh, kind of comes to me naturally. If I look at my reading habits today or for the past many, many years, the kind of stuff that I read uh, is, uh, you know, either history, if it's fiction, it's historical fiction, it's politics, it's economics, uh, you know, things like that. But I think one never had that sense uh, you know, at that point in time, so obviously many, many years ago. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, if I'd taken arts, I would have been happier. So yeah, it was a function of my choice also that I wasn't particularly thrilled doing accounting. So uh, how did your mother influence you as a child? And I read somewhere that at the age of 12, you were helping her in her business. Wow, where did you get that? <laughs> you, you've obviously done deep So No, yeah, that, that's true. I think... Uh, I've always seen my mother work and obviously everyone expects their dads to work, but, and, and, and this too back then, right? Hmm, hmm. Uh, I, I passed out of school in 1990, so hmm. uh, I'm, I'm 48 today. Hmm. Uh, so uh, even back then, uh, right from uh, my childhood, I saw my mother work, get up in the morning, take a bus, go to Connaught Place uh, to deliver flowers or to, to do flower arrangements in office, etc. But uh, she always came back uh, before we kind of got back from school, right? Hmm. Uh, so I think that was a really... Uh, a good balance mm. because she was away when um, I, we, me and my sister were away at school and uh, mm. nine out of ten times I, I guess she was back uh, before we were back or when we were back uh, mm-hmm. but I always saw her working right and then I uh, you know started helping her on the side on the weekends when I could st- start driving I, I was doing some deliveries for her uh, I mean not 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 hard stuff honestly it wasn't like labor but you know it, it does give you a sense of responsibility very early on it does showcase that hard work can kind of uh, help you better your own life and the life of your family and people around you so no lots tons of love and she still works which is amazing right uh, she's in her late uh, 60s now and she she's still at it and now she of course does bigger she does weddings and things like that which require her okay. to you know stand on her feet uh, supervise stuff but she still does it she loves what she does and and that's the other big learning i think she never looked at it as a job i said she used to come back on time to be with us and a lot of her clients are her friends uh, she genuinely mm. enjoys what she does with you know, very few of us are kind of privileged to uh, experience. So I think that mm. that that's a big takeaway for me. So what were you thinking uh, as a kid that you'll also be an entrepreneur as you saw your parents or did you want to get a good job? You know, what was the plan at that time? Yeah, honestly, I don't think I had a plan. I mean, I can make up a nice story around it. But, uh, you know, that time, I, I don't think entrepreneurship even was a word. You were either a businessman or you were in service or you were in the sources or, or you were a doctor, lawyer, professional, whatever. Right? Uh, honestly, didn't look at it that way. I Even my dad obviously became an entrepreneur much later in life. But, you know, it wasn't, it was a very different kind of entrepreneurship, right? What he did. Uh, it wasn't uh, like today. It wasn't about startups. It 
wasn't cool it was a you know way of kind of making a living so i don't think any of that kind of inspired me from that perspective no, i guess i just wanted to uh, finish school the idea was that i'll i'll do i'll do bcom do do an mba and then you know figure out what happens but i think uh, there's some still uh, some things get instilled in you very early on and i think uh, being responsible for yourself uh, being in mm. control of uh, of stuff uh, you know and uh, the desire to kind of work for yourself i think all of those kind of got ingrained fairly early on i mean this is now when i look back right obviously didn't experience or feel a lot of this when i was growing up uh, so i don't think i had any specific kind of ambitions i i guess i always knew i wanted to do well i always knew uh, i i wanted to work hard uh, i i think those things were clearer in my mind and those things i remember uh, all you know thinking of that or 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 discussing those things with friends or family or whatever so where did you do your bcom from i did it from uh, bhagat singh college south campus mm-hmm. okay so that must have been fun i mean bhagat singh has this reputation of being a party college you know south delhi and all that yeah my uh, my uncle used to call it hoodlum college so we <laughs> thought all, all all hoodlums came from mm-hmm. bhagat singh which wasn't true because it had a really good uh, bcom program Hmm. Uh, and uh, we used to like saying that hey it's number 2 after srcc i don't know if it's true or not but at least we we like to believe that but it genuinely had uh, some really good profs uh, for bcom but yeah college was uh, you know uh, similar it wasn't intense it was uh, you know fun kind of three years you played a lot uh, played a lot of sport i mean off campus not not for the college team as such but you know just your cricket soccer etc went to college came back uh, you know it was just uh, innovate for the waste of time but it's a uh, time it's that time of your life that you can probably afford to waste right so no complaints uh, on college i think i start getting uh, very serious after that i i immediately started working after college uh, because i then by then i had this desire to be on my own uh, earn money my friends were doing their mbas uh, i thought i'll do it probably a little later uh, so yeah but that college was uh, that's how college was so uh, that must have been around 93 i guess 90 you finished school so by 93 you would have yeah ni- 93 94 yeah yeah okay so wh- what was your first job and you know tell me about the career path yeah so i uh, joined as a sales executive in a company called newcomware newcom uh, were among the first guys to start providing bottled water the large bottle which you see now inverted over your water coolers it was a new totally new concept for india at that point in time uh, so there was a brand called hello i remember and there was us uh, it was called crystal uh, with a k it was a freedabad based uh, company uh, so they you know gave an ad in the paper or something and i went for the interview to freedabad and uh, i uh, i kind of got in and uh, i think uh, it was again the i mean now when i look back probably the challenge of something new and novel it wasn't just like any other sales job because you know nobody was buying water that time. right it was it was like a crazy thing to sell uh, i remember going to these factory owners in faridabad because that was my beat in the early days uh, uh, and they said ki yaar uh, aap pani bech rahe ho kal hawa bhi bechne aaoge hamare ko you know uh, and uh, that was pretty much so it was more like a concept sell it wasn't just hey buy this water is the cheapest in the market or is the best quality it was you know selling them hygiene selling them cleanliness uh, selling them convenience you know bunch of things before you even got down to talking about the product and the process and the reverse osmosis and and all the cool stuff uh, so i think uh, those are the kind of things which have uh, you know always uh, i guess attracted me uh, something which is new something which is novel and yeah so that was my first job uh, i did that for a few months then i got promoted uh, you know and they shifted me to delhi so i worked there for for more than a year uh, so yeah that that was my first job 
Okay. Then what next? Then I joined Wizcraft, uh, uh, which was an events management agency. Uh, and uh, again, uh, I wanted to do uh, something different. I think I was still figuring out what I really wanted to do. Right. I was in two minds. Should I? I'd done put in a year, year and a half at uh, at Newcom. Uh, I think maybe there was pressure to do an MBA from the family. Uh, I still liked getting that paycheck at the end of the month. Uh, I bought myself a bullet, uh, you know, so had expensive tastes for that time. Uh, uh, I didn't want to, I think, give up on that. Uh, uh, so I joined uh, Viscraft and uh, uh, so I, I worked there for some time. It was a fairly short stint, but I think the exciting part of that stint was that they used to manage a nightclub in uh, in Gurgaon uh, and that time Gurgaon was really back of beyond and it was called Fireball it was probably India's fanciest nightclub and I think even today uh, India probably hasn't had a nightclub like that uh, it was huge based on the Star, Star Wars theme you entered through that Darth Vader's mouth uh, pretty crazy stuff uh, so I used to kind of get to work there and hang out there as part of my uh, job so I did that for six seven months but that was just pure fun right that wasn't that was just you know like chilling between jobs kind of thing. Uh, and then I think I finally got serious, uh, decided that, hey, I've done sales. Uh, marketing is something that, uh, you know, naturally kind of comes to me, appeals to me. And I didn't have a theoretical grounding in marketing. And I figured that maybe I need to join advertising uh, to understand marketing a little bit more. So I worked at, uh, I got a job at Trikaya, uh, Gray Advertising, which was Trikaya, uh, Trikaya Gray at that time. I worked there for two years. Uh, I put in a year in uh, Delhi, I put in another year in Bombay, uh, which again, uh, you know, I consciously chose to kind of move to Bombay uh, just to get more exposure. And Bombay really was the heart of the advertising industry. Uh, Delhi was still a little, uh, you know, old fashioned when it came to advertising. Uh, all the magic was happening in Bombay. So managed to continue. You were doing client servicing there? I was doing client servicing. Uh, luckily, Trikai was one of the few agencies which had a lot of divisions. So I got to work in, except I think PR, I pretty much worked in, I worked in direct marketing. I worked in financial advertising. I worked in regular brand advertising. I worked in events had a lot of work uh, in events, uh, so got uh, some fairly rigorous exposure there on the ground stuff, outdoors. Uh, so managed to put in two years, but got a lot out of that stint. And then I joined AMF Bowling, which was where I met Deep, uh, uh, Deep Kalra. And uh, uh, then met Michael. So uh, Deep was uh, the promoter of AMF? Or like... No, he was, AMF was, is an American company. And uh, Deep was heading AMF uh, uh, in, uh, in India. And... Uh, I was looking at moving back from Bombay. Uh, I'd done two years at Trikaya. I figured I'd learned whatever I had to learn in advertising and realized it. Advertise, I mean, it's not a career I wanted to make. I, I mean, I wasn't happy just servicing clients. I wanted to be more in control. So I thought I'll work on the brand side. But, you know, I didn't have like a classic, uh, you know, MBA, etc. cetera. Uh, uh, so obviously... Uh, I mean, I'm sure I applied to a lot of FMCGs and, and guys like that. And I'm sure they don't, probably never even called me for an interview. Uh, but, you know, uh, Deep was uh, obviously, he, uh, you know, we both enjoyed kind of uh, discussing stuff when we met. And I joined AMF as uh, as marketing manager uh, back then. So we used to set up bowling centers. So, yeah, that's how I met Deep. And, then... and what was your uh, learning from the AMF stint? Like AMF eventually didn't really continue uh, like is it still around or i mean the american entity is around i think uh, see again if you see uh, 
AMF, you know, bowling is something totally unique, uh, something totally different. Uh, I, you know, probably seen bowling in a movie or two. I myself didn't know much about it. Uh, and this is uh, pre kind of Google days. So information wasn't so readily available. But whatever I could read. This was, I think, probably the time when pool was also like a big craze. It just about. I think bowling came first. And maybe pool came together, but pool maybe came like a few months later, literally, right? Typically, bowling and pool go hand in hand because the companies which make both the equipments are the same, at least in the US and then uh, in China. Uh, so, MF was very interesting. I think uh, that's where I got exposed to uh, working with, I mean, at Trikaya, I'd obviously worked with uh, fairly big brands. Uh, done a lot of product launches, etc. But at AMF, I could, uh, you know, I was, wasn't just a consultant. I was wasn't just a client servicing person. Uh, I was responsible uh, to implement stuff. And but uh, given that uh, budgets were fairly tight, uh, it required one to work with, uh, you know, a lot of sponsors. Right. So I worked with Coca-Cola very closely. I worked with Pepsi. Uh, so that uh, gave me insights into how big, uh, bigger brands work, how they think, how they look at advertising, how they look at, uh, you know, spending money across different media. Uh, so wh- what were you doing with Pepsi and Coke? Yeah. So uh, at AMS, see you, uh, a bowling center is not only about uh, the sport if you can call bowling a sport, but it's also about all the fun and entertainment, right? So the food, uh, beverage, uh, all of that. And then you have uh, uh, all these leagues, uh, which amateurs can kind of participate in. You need sponsors for those leagues, you need prizes. So I think the big thing was, uh, bowling was supposed to be the next big thing in India. Uh, Unfortunately, I think people didn't realize that real estate uh, is extremely expensive in India, right? In the cities, unlike in the US where bowling centers are a little away from the city, but then driving is not a problem. People can easily drive. That doesn't exist in India, right? So that's why you don't have big Walmarts or whatever here too. Uh, But I guess we were too young and naive to kind of realize that. So real estate was very expensive, but you know, there were some, uh, you know, uh, optimistic businessmen who set up really large centers in India. We set up like a huge 20 lane center, which was the biggest one in Bombay, uh, 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 where Lower Perel is today. Uh, we set up a, a, a largish bowling center at Essex Farms. Uh, we set up one at 32nd Milestone, so all over the country. Uh, and uh, uh, Pepsi, Coke, all these guys were sponsors. So they used to get uh, rights for the, uh, for the beverage uh, because people consume a lot of beverage while playing bowling right uh, whether it's beer or, or soft drinks or whatever so yeah uh, uh, worked fairly closely with their kind of marketing teams back then so, yeah. and uh, what was your impression of deep back then when you um, were reporting to him at amf yeah, uh, deep's obviously uh, super smart super impressive uh, very very analytical and he's still the same uh, and extremely enthusiastic i think about work and what he does and that hasn't diminished uh, even one bit so i think my impression of him <laughs> what it was probably on day one uh, uh, which was uh, you know i think now 12 years ago hasn't uh, really kind of changed yeah, so it's still the same so uh, how did the exit from amf and the move into mmt happen yeah, so I, uh, Deep left, uh, so uh, I, I was still at AMF when Deep left. He left to join G uh, and I was still at AMF then. And then Deep left uh, G to start Make My Trip. I was, uh, you know, I'd done two years at uh, AMF and I was looking at, uh, you know, and I realized AMF was a nice small little thing. Uh, probably won't scale beyond that. But I'd, you know, done my bit. I'd learned whatever I had to learn. It was time to move on. And uh, I was doing a part-time MBA then, uh, 
so I think that had also kind of culminated. So I, had, I mean, I didn't have a big degree with me, but you know, whatever theoretical stuff I needed, I think I, I kind of had that. So I actually approached Deep to for a ref check. Uh, I was applying to a few places, and then uh, I knew he's doing something uh, on his own. I wasn't, in, and I knew it's in travel. I wasn't entirely sure what it is because we we generally you know kind of kept in touch. And uh, yeah, so then I went to meet him. I remember in Okla, told him, hey, I'm I'm moving on, and uh, I just want a ref check, blah blah blah. And then he said, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. We're looking at somebody to head marketing. Uh, you know. Why don't you consider this? So, yeah, uh, because it was the, because again, it was something totally new, exciting. I didn't even know much about the internet, how it worked. None of us did, honestly, back then. Uh, It seemed like uh, extremely, extremely exciting to me. Didn't realize it would be like a 10-year journey. Uh, But yeah, that, that was pretty much how it started. So I went to actually look for, ask him for a reference and ended up joining him. Mm-hmm. You joined as a co-founder uh, with Equity and Zero Salary, or no, 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 no. None, uh, so Deep was the sole founder of the company. I joined. Uh, I think the company was incorporated on the first of April, two thousand. I joined in uh, June, and uh, Kyur, who's our, who's, who's a, who was our third co-founder, joined. Uh, I think he joined maybe in May or something. So maybe a month after the company started. So Kyur joined as head of sales. I joined as head of marketing. But then you know all sorts of stuff happened. Uh, you know the dot com bust and uh, investors kind of uh, going off, etc. Uh, so we then kind of got designated as uh, co-founders because we were the only guys uh, among the senior management who stayed on. Uh, rest of the guys bailed or moved on or whatever. We were still bullish on the business, uh, and then we got designated and we got a little bit of equity uh, for that. So yeah, we were not original founders or co-founders. We were kind of designated okay. co-founders, okay. which is kind of sexy to do now. Uh, and kind of fashionable but uh, i don't think uh, it was like the thing back then but yeah fortunately that's how it panned out so when you joined uh, uh, how long after that did the first fundraise happen because i assume it would have taken a long time for it to become cash flow positive so you know how 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 did you sustain in those initial years was it deep putting in his savings or you know like how are you getting a salary no, so uh, Deep got funded pretty much on day one. Uh, so we had already Deep had already raised uh, money, two million dollars back then. So we already had money, mm. but I think okay. uh, we went through that money, you know, over a period of time, say one year or so. But then the dot com bust happened, right? So there was more money to come in from our investors, uh, which was eventual. But the investors themselves mm. kind of shut shop in India, right? Mm. Uh, and uh, then mm. we we sustained on internal accruals there. After that, uh, obviously everyone took cut. So we came down to, I think, 20 people from 40, 45 people. A lot of them got soft landing uh, in a company called eBookers, which we helped uh, set up. Deep, rather, uh, uh, I wasn't involved really. Deep helped set up a call center uh, for them. And a lot of our senior executives kind of got a soft landing there. And we got some money for that to kind of help set up. Uh, they took over some of our assets and things like that. And then we, uh, you know, kind of rebuilt the company from scratch. So in what sense do you mean rebuild? What was it previously and how did you rebuild it? Like, Tell me about those early years, uh, you know, like. 
okay so when we started we were looking at doing everything in travel right so we said we'll do inbound we'll do outbound uh, we'll do domestic and one small part of the business was uh, looking at nris traveling back home but i think very quickly we realized that uh, india still wasn't ready for the net you know credit card penetration was low internet connectivity was poor there were hardly any low cost carriers that time so there was hardly anything that there were no low cost carriers that time or there were there was hardly any airlines so there was hardly anything to really sell so we realized that if we want to you know sustain and we, we were obviously hopeful that all of this will improve over time we were just not sure by when hmm. so one small part of the business was nris coming back home so we said hey let's focus on that and let's see when the market change uh, and we actually ran that for 5 years right so for 5 years we just ran nris traveling back from the us to india actually turned the company into a you know we used to break even actually make a little bit of profit and we were just waiting it out right but you know that's the time we built the muscle on running a call center running customer service understanding travel technology uh, understanding travel uh, you know in, in its entirety uh, except kayur who had a short stint in travel before make my trip none of us were from uh, travel you know or even tech right uh, deep is not a techie neither am i nor was kayur uh, so i think that 5 years was a fairly interesting learning curve and also uh, we were very young right so we also kind of developed as uh, managers leaders uh, leading teams leading products etc so i think utilize those uh, the five years for that and then uh, in 2005 things you know started to uh, change uh, low cost carriers got launched credit card penetration increased uh, internet became a little more robust and that's when we said hey now is the time to actually relook at india and launch for the indian consumer and then uh, uh, you know uh, since we had the experience since we had the team we had the infrastructure that's when vc started getting interested Uh, interested in uh, in the market and in us uh, specifically and uh, we got funded uh, in 2005 first five years was essentially you were targeting uh, people in us who want to travel to india and you were like helping them to buy tickets airline tickets yeah nris mostly nris uh, we had a some cost arbitrage and we had a time arbitrage i think the big thing was that when us travel agents were shut uh, we had a we had a 1800 number from the us to india probably one of the first guys to kind of set it up and we used to answer their calls uh, in, in the night here right so day or night we used to be on 24 by 7 so when it was night there uh, that's when we were really useful to them because you know uh, there were techies there were people who uh, professionals in the us they would come back from work uh, look at options to fly back to India, look at our website uh, you know and, and it was an expensive purchase so yeah they would call us up how did you get leads uh, i imagine it, you would have to spend money to get leads especially american leads like uh, did you have the funds to do that or you know how was it yeah we used to market in the us yeah, so we used to do a lot of hacky stuff back then uh, we obviously didn't have a lot of money and uh, performance marketing didn't really exist back then uh, but we used to i used to tie up for example with a lot of universities there uh, each uni- university has an indian uh, club right so i used to email them get in touch with them tell them about us used to hire brand ambassadors used to call them campus gurus which is like thing today to do for any startup uh, targeting young people in india so we used to do it back then but remotely right so, I I never even uh, traveled to the I never even gone to the US. Uh, so we used to do that remotely sitting here. Google used to be fairly slow, but used to search for, you know, made a list of universities, search for their India clubs, uh, write to them, sponsor events over there. There were some India specific magazines we used to advertise. And so, you know, small stuff, but we were pretty much the only game in town, right? Uh, for them. Uh, and that uh, so there was a lot of virality around what we did because I think the one thing we were very clear about was offering great customer service, right? And I think that endeared us uh, to uh, to these customers and they kept com- and they kept coming back and how did things change post 2005 once you had the fundraise 
Yeah, so then I think it was a all new kind of ball game because then we were targeting India, and uh, as soon as we got funded uh, within the next few months, competition also kind of got funded, or or competition kind of came about. There was Yatra and there was Yatra Clear Trip. Uh, mm. So within three, four, five months of us launching, these guys also launched. That was a whole new ball game. Yeah, much much bigger market. So much more to do. We had some money, so we could spend on advertising. We could set up bigger call centers. You know, hire more people, and then obviously look at stuff beyond air tickets uh, because uh, the US India business was an air ticket heavy business. Uh, there was some inbound tours we you know tried to do just to understand how hotel bookings work, etc. So that knowledge came in handy started selling holidays uh, started selling hotel but that happened much later i think the initial few years after 2005 was still predominantly air air ticketing based mm-hmm. and that time it uh, tickets were still uh, written by hand they were not e tickets so you know just setting up ops to kind of manage that uh, it, it was uh, it was pretty interesting yeah so how did uh, the ticket reach the person was it like sent by post or Post, yeah, courier. Wow. courier. Okay. Hard to imagine today. <laughs> yes, it was all by courier. Actually, uh, I think the day we launched in uh, October of uh, 2005, you know, we got overwhelmed. We, we never expected to sell so many tickets. We thought we'll sell a few. And we obviously had uh, our call center agents who were sitting ready to kind of write tickets. But, uh, you know, India hadn't seen this before. It was super convenient. Uh, things worked very well online. And people started buying. And then we had to, at least all of us, I remember, we used to sit in the night, write tickets. And we obviously missed a lot of it. People never got their tickets on time. Travel was the next day. So went through all that pain. But I guess uh, that's what you do for a new product, new market, uh, you know, come out better for it. And what was your role by the time you quit? Like you were head... Yeah, so I ran marketing uh, from, uh, I mean, I ran marketing throughout uh, till around 2008. So from 2000, 2005, uh, I, I ran marketing uh, also some part of tech uh, hmm. in, in terms of website development, etc. Then from 2005 till 2008, I, I ran marketing completely. Uh, and then 2008 to 2010, I ran new products. So I ran all the non-air, non-hotel, non-holidays launches. So train launch, rail launch, cars, car bookings, uh, mobile, whatever little was happening on mobile back then, reviews and ratings. So all the new stuff, I uh, kind of got it off the ground. So that sounds like a like an exciting kind of a role. No? Why did you leave? I mean, launching new stuff is like what anybody with entrepreneurial streak would want. Yeah, so I think uh, you have a far more flexibility of working on new stuff uh, when you're not a public listed company and especially not a NASDAQ listed company. Uh, I think then hmm. uh, things kind of change and I realized that the company had obviously become super big and I kind of contributed, done whatever I could do. And, uh, you know, like I jokingly say, you know, how many tickets can you sell, right? Uh, of course, that's not true because Deep and Rajesh uh, are still, <laughs> they continue to do what they were doing just at a massive, uh, you know, gigantic kind of scale but i think uh, i'd i got i'd done enough in travel i think 10 years uh, is more than enough and it was time to be at ipo uh, there was honestly nothing i felt i could uh, change for the company i mean i could keep doing newer stuff i could uh, optimize stuff which is uh, existing but uh, i don't think it was personally for me it wasn't exciting anymore i wanted to kind of move on do other things so i you felt that you were not making enough of an impact ah, I, I, absolutely yeah. so i think uh, my days of impact 
uh, at least the way I looked at it back then were kind of over. I mean, I could have stepped back, uh, you know, reconsidered, done probably a bunch of things and then Make My Trip obviously did a lot of stuff. But if you look at the period from uh, IPO for the next couple of years, it was more about consolidation, mm. right? It was just improving, mm. optimizing, bettering what uh, they had achieved. There was nothing dramatically new that was happening. Uh, so I think in hindsight, it seemed like a good decision because... Uh, I, from a personality perspective, I need to uh, do, you know, new, exciting stuff, work with smaller teams. Uh, I think at least back then, that was, that. that's the way I, uh, I used to think. So you quit uh, post the listing? I actually quit a couple of months before the listing. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, we knew the listings happening in August. Uh, I, I, I quit in March or something, I think, for three, four months before listing. But I was there. I was there at... Yet pressure to stick around? Like... Yeah, nahin, I mean, I, once I decided, then uh, I think listing was just a milestone. I knew I'll be invited for the uh, for the listing on NASDAQ, which I was. So there was nothing I could have kind of changed in those three, four months, right? So, uh, you know, once I decided, I kind of uh, yeah moved on. But yeah, I was there uh, with the Pan-Rajesh and Kayo uh, at the bell on NASDAQ. So that that was exciting. I mean, that that's, I think, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And uh, was fortunate enough to be part of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So 2010, you are now like uh, without a regular 9 to 5 thing to do. So what did you do then? Yeah, so I, uh, that was uh, one of uh, the, I mean, I can candidly say one of the mistakes. I mean, I think I put a lot of pressure on myself and I tell a lot of younger entrepreneurs who've either exited or looking at exit. Uh, I put a lot of pressure on myself to start something very quickly, right? Uh, and there was no pressure, right? Uh, from anyone, not from my family or my peers or, you know, uh, I wasn't a public figure where people were waiting with bated breath that, what is Sachin Bhatia going to do next? You know, there was there was none of that. I think it was just a needless, self-inflicted kind of pressure that, hey, I must, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still young. I need to get on with stuff. Uh, one of the things I was very passionate about, uh, even at Make My Trip, was the outdoors. I do a lot of rafting, climbing, uh, uh, etc. And I always felt that uh, uh, there is a space for, you know, folks who want a slightly more luxurious outdoor experience. Uh, who don't want to stay in tents on the Ganges or wherever they raft, who, uh, you know, want to do a day's work uh, uh, in the outdoors, but then come back to, uh, you know, an air-conditioned room, a hot bath, uh, nothing very fancy, but basics. Uh, so so I, I kind of kept, uh, you know, when, when I was at Make My Trip also, I used to do a lot of, like I said, uh, outdoor stuff. But that's what I felt. So I actually uh, tied up with uh, somebody I knew well uh, to... Uh, set up India's first, what we call an active hotel, uh, which was an activity-based hotel, uh, where, uh, you know, the idea was to offer a bunch of outdoor activities uh, through the day, but you came back to like a resortish uh, kind of place. So I did that. I set that up from scratch for two years, but uh, that kind of didn't really pan out well. Uh, I mean, we, we set up something very spectacular. Uh, it got covered in uh, probably every travel magazine in the country and even overseas. Uh, I ran that for a few months, but I think that partnership wasn't meant to be. Uh, so decided to kind of uh, move out of that. Uh, you know, obviously learned a lot. I'd never done construction myself. Uh, I mean, not physically, but never supervised construction, especially at a you know resort hotel kind of scale. Uh, uh, you know, uh, trained uh, uh, the staff, uh, uh, which was basically village folks, to you know really a three-star kind of customer service without. Obviously, they didn't know English, but everything else in terms of making beds, cleaning rooms, serving food, uh, uh, 
you know, managing guests, checking them in, out, etc. So I think laundry, or, or everything uh, that, that a typical uh, resort does. And you put in your own money in this? Yes, I put in uh, uh, a fair bit of money in this. And so did uh, the folks I kind of partnered with. Uh, luckily managed to get all of it out uh, by the end of it. But yeah, it was in a way two years wasted. But it was again, two years of fun. I think uh, building something, uh, and this was pretty remote. It was like 30 kilometers even from, uh, so uh, it was fun. I think, uh, you know, and was involved in everything, right from branding the place to building it. Hmm. Was it like you felt that this doesn't have that kind of scope to grow like in terms uh, no i was actually very bullish yeah. so my uh, idea was that uh, i set this up run this to understand this better and then offer this more as a service to a lot of mom and pop resorts across the country right so i saw a lot of resorts like for example in Corbett, which are really well located etc but you know uh, they're not managed well because the founders started with a lot of pa- lot of passion but have either grown old or you know, got bored or they're not able to pull in the kind of customers they should. I obviously had my network in travel. I knew every tour operator. I knew how to sell travel, you know, so I got all that on board. Uh, So the idea was to actually take them over, you know, uh, improve them in terms of, uh, you know, quality training of staff in terms of the whole experience, but keep it to the very outdoorsy kind of uh, experience, right? Those those kind of places. So no, the idea was to actually scale that. But then, uh, you know, since this didn't work out, I said, let me then kind of go back to what I know best, which is the internet. And uh, yeah, so so I did that for a couple of years. And then mm-hmm. after that's when I started mm-hmm. uh, looking at coming back to the uh, uh, to the internet space. So how did you discover Truly Madly? Yeah, so uh, I think what I did first was, uh, since I'd been uh, pretty much off the grid for a couple of years, obviously the internet space had kind of evolved uh, in that time. I started uh, talking to younger founders and I started actually investing and more again to learn what is happening, how are things, what is the quality of uh, you know founders, uh, what are the kind of problems that they are solving, etc. So I uh, started uh, as, uh, you know just as a small angel investor, very, very small amounts just to more get... You know, you know, get back into the thick of things and uh, then you know started looking at uh, internet businesses older internet businesses uh, which hadn't really evolved with time right so or or just look at old internet businesses where one could you know with all the new tech with uh, you know social media was just about happening at that point in time how to use that mm-hmm. as a marketing channel how to use that as a distribution channel so i looked at uh, jobs i looked at real estate travel i didn't want to do looked at matrimony Hmm. so those were some of the things i was looking at and saying hey how can these be disrupted Hmm. again right one round of disruption had happened uh, 10 years ago Hmm. they're obviously up for disruption again and that's when i met rahul who used to be with me at make my trip he was one of our product managers Uh, he was looking at uh, so he'd left make my trip too Uh, he'd started a qsr chain uh, uh, called american hot dogs and he was doing uh, rolls and stuff like that uh, and uh, I got introduced to Hitesh, uh, who had just exited Let's Buy uh, back then. And, uh, you know, I was discussing the thesis with them of looking at existing businesses uh, and, uh, you know, uh, which are right for like uh, disruption. So that, that's when we went through a lot of these businesses, went back and forth, met many times. Uh, 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 and that's when we realized that, hey, uh, you know, matrimony seems like kind of interesting. It's not been disrupted. They're still matching people based on caste, creed, and religion. Uh, there is no verification at all. I heard horror stories uh, personally from uh, some people uh, who I knew of, uh, you know, the kind of people they'd met uh, on these matrimony sites. 
so actually the original idea was really to disrupt online matrimony by offering verification with social media allowed you to do back then uh, and by doing real matching right algorithmic matching versus just like i said matching based on caste creed and religion uh, so that's what we set out to do but then you know uh, from a business perspective realize that hey matrimony kind of plateaus out uh, over time uh, you know ltvs are fairly low uh, uh, you know you get people in uh, when they are 26 throw them out when they are 26 27 28 and therefore ltvs are low and that's when we said hey maybe dating is a much larger play versus matrimony and then we evolved to uh, dating but yeah the original idea was to really disrupt uh, online matrimony how did the venture get off the ground like you know how did you go about finalizing what is the concept and how did you come up with the name and all of that like so uh, i think uh, uh, rahul uh, and hitesh were very keen on uh, working on the matching algorithm right so they had this view that uh, we can match much better right based on people's hobbies interests their social graph etc uh, and i uh, uh, and 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 it came from personal experience right rahul uh, uh, had a lot of cousins uh, younger cousins uh, in uh, in delhi and bombay and some guys would come back from the us uh, uh, who wanted to meet new people but they did not know uh, and they just wanted to meet to kind of date or just to get to know people right uh but uh, you know how, how how do you kind of match with each other you know uh, one there's no platform to do it and second even if there's a platform how do you know that uh, he or she is the right person for me so i think they were coming from that kind of perspective uh, and both of them had some personal experience uh, uh, you know about this and my personal experience was more on the verification side where i uh, i remember there was uh, this uh, neighbor uh this is just one example and there and there are many many more uh, there is this uh, neighbor uh, you know a dermatologist so you know from a good educated family uh, uh, and they were still uh, looking for somebody for her on a matrimonial side right and i remember she met two people and both of them uh, uh, had incorrectly uh, mentioned what they so one guy said he's an mba he'd done like some one week course in miami at some college or whatever and the other guy was a total fraud like he, nothing about him was right and that kind of struck me and then when i started uh, you know talking to more and more people i realized that this is like the biggest problem that matrimonial sites have that a lot of people uh, actually 30% of men on matrimonial sites back then were married men right uh, who had no business being on matrimonial sites and you know in, uh, it's fairly easy now uh, you know you realize to kind of weed out uh, such people right but nobody was doing anything about it so i think i was coming in more from that perspective and it seemed like an ideal kind of uh, uh marriage if i was to use that term that hey they wanted to solve one part of the problem i was keen on solving the other part of the problem very very passionate about it and that's how we uh, kind of gelled and kind of got together and that's uh, like i said we wanted to disrupt matrimony first but then uh, realized that hey dating is much better so that's what we uh, then started uh, working on we used to work out of a cafe out of a costa cafe opposite my house in gurgaon uh and uh, uh there was uh, you know truly madly deeply by savage garden playing one day and it immediately kind of struck me that hey this has to be the name and uh, luckily both of them kind of agreed uh, and yeah that's how the name came about uh, we worked on it uh, rahul especially on the product side in the early days uh, uh 
you know whiteboarding the entire thing uh, and then we also knew and rahul's actually a techie turned product guy which is kind of useful but we still needed somebody to code and uh, rahul was extremely fussy in terms of the kind of person he wants so we actually spent i think four months looking for this person but i think uh, fortunately what that four months did is that uh, we whiteboarded the the concept to uh, pretty much uh, you know looked at every aspect of uh, Uh, you know of what the final product would be uh, uh, and i think uh, once this person joined uh, it just made it so much easier because uh, we were able to pretty much give him every screen every page for him to code and that uh, okay. i think that's what helped us launch very very quickly also how did you uh, verify say somebody is actually married or not and stuff like that we built like an algorithm it was like a verification score uh, we asked you see unlike a lot of other dating apps where you just log on and then you are swiping based on looks and location uh, we uh, my personal belief was that uh, you know we were the first dating app in india uh, women are obviously a very very important segment uh, i mean there is no dating without you know women on it uh, and uh, uh, my belief was that since uh, this will be their first experience with online dating uh we need to ensure uh, that they get a good experience they get a clean experience right and therefore it was very important to keep uh, at least the married men out you know you might not like the guy uh, you you chat with or you see or whatever but at least uh, uh, you know he's verified he's uh, he's not married etc so i think that was very core to what we believed in and that's uh, luckily sustained even with the new management that's running truly madly now who have handed over the business to that core tenant still is very very strong in the team right uh, so we uh, uh, built something called a trust score but uh, you know you had to provide certain information we checked your face that that time you could check people's facebook profiles uh, they could give you permission you could check the facebook profile uh, uh, we could check your status on facebook uh, we even checked if your facebook profile itself was genuine so say you are a married guy and just to get on to truly madly you created another profile we would catch that out right we would see how old is your profile how many friends do you have do you have an active news feed or not uh, then people above a certain age we would actually go into facebook and see if there are pictures with mangal sutra or pictures uh, around a havan kind of thing etc uh, so we were able to do a lot of that uh, so yeah that so we gave you a trust score but we kind of gamified it we made it interesting uh, uh the higher trust score the more matches you got the higher trust score uh women tended to like you more because they knew that hey, his trust score is higher than the other guy so we communicated a lot of that and that i think really worked for us well in the early days at least it set us apart right and i think that's helped us endure also we are obviously uh, nowhere even close to a tinder uh, but uh, you know it's the only dating business which has survived on its own steam uh because of the early positioning around safety and security so women really love us uh, i think that that's i think stood the test of time now okay and did you raise funds for this yeah yeah we raised funds yeah. so we raised a small seed round in the early days from k capital hmm. and then we went on to raise uh, around uh, 5 million dollars from uh, helion and k capital so hmm. yeah we, we we raised money for the business and what was the monetization plan Yeah, so in the early days, I think, uh, uh, and that time again, it was the heydays again of internet investing, uh, and uh, I think we were advised, and we ourselves felt that hey, let's build the community first, uh, let's scale this up, let it be free for uh, for the longest time, 
and uh, uh, you know we'll we'll figure out about monetization later we obviously had plans on how we would be able to monetize this but i think then again the market kind of slumped and went down and then every investor and while our metrics were really good in terms of engagement in terms of growth uh, etc uh, in terms of match, daily matches that we were making uh, i think investors uh, uh, you know the the feedback we got from investors here this is all great but uh, you know you might need to start making money uh, so then we again went back to the drawing board and uh, uh, so we developed certain products within the app which we would be able to monetize some of them didn't work but some of them like truly madly select which is still around which is the biggest way in which we monetize uh, uh, so, you know like help me understand better like who... yeah yeah so uh, so essentially what happens on truly madly and most other dating apps is that only if there's a mutual match uh, you get to chat with a person right uh, which means that if i've liked uh, uh, someone and she's kind of liked me back is only then so if i've liked someone and she hasn't liked me back uh the you know you you can't communicate uh, with the person right so what we used to do is that if uh, both of you been matched by us but uh, you know you haven't got a like back we could still give you an opportunity to send that message right and you know sometimes sending that message uh you know is is the stimulus that the other person needs to kind of you know reply to you or like you back etc but i think we understood the indian use case where we realized that most guys in india just say hi hello or you have a lovely name or you have nice eyes or something like that and then you know if you if a girl looks at her feet she sees uh, 20 highs and hellos only right so it's not really moving the needle so what we would do is we would actually recommend what they should say i think that was a big case so based on your both their social profile so if uh, uh, some did some both of you liked arijit singh then we would say hey why don't you talk about arijit singh's latest song i mean it was all algorithmically done but i think that uh, uh, really got conversations going we obviously tried a bunch of other monetization things which didn't work where we were uh, uh, we started matching people based on events that they like we started uh, organizing dates for people and getting them coupons from restaurants etc so a lot of that stuff we experimented with which didn't really scale or work but i think truly madly select uh, is something that has uh, uh, you know stayed on and uh, that's that's the way the company still monetizes okay do you think your thesis on truly madly was incorrect because so you know you have one line of thought of tinder which is making it super easy to swipe and meet and then you have the other line of thought where you want 100% trust to be built up first uh, and obviously tinder has like blown up and uh, also so yeah yeah no no absolutely so uh, i mean <laughs> can't even defend <laughs> the thesis no the thesis was uh, i think we were trying to do what's right Uh, what we felt is right uh, from you know from a woman's perspective uh, and that's what they said so all the research we did uh, uh, you know even when you read between the lines that's what they said but eventually when we went back to them they said hey you know we are smart enough we'll figure out uh, you know who the guy is if you have to block him we'll block him uh, don't worry about it right we'll take care of ourselves uh, i think we kind of misjudged that and uh, uh, we built uh, this entire thing on you know all verified profiles Uh, we actually did compatibility matching which again people didn't care about at end of the day people okay. care more about looks than anything else so mm-hmm. from from that perspective yes the thesis uh, was wrong but having said that uh, you know truly madly still around and it's known so there is obviously a market for this slightly serious uh, kind of uh, you know use case uh, so now a, a lot of our customers or rather a lot of the truly madly customers 
are people in their you know between the 25 to 28 kind of range who are not looking at getting married immediately but this is like the first step towards matrimony right uh, and that's you know an interesting niche uh, which they are playing in the revenues have doubled uh, since i've moved on actually the internal joke is that the company is doing so much better since i've moved on uh, you know uh, but uh, yeah i mean in a way that see everyone else uh, uh, launched in india just like tinder right and everyone else is also pretty much shut down right uh, but truly madly still still out there profitable they've actually just raised a round of funding which they'll announce in the next few weeks uh, so uh, you know yeah in hindsight yes we could have gone the tinder way but then could we have beaten tinder at its own game could be another question right so I think in a way it's good that we kind of stuck to this and uh, built uh, not a very big business but still built a decent business uh, uh, you know uh, out of date. What was your learning from that stint? Like learning which would have helped you now with Bulbul? Yeah, so I think uh, uh, you know a lot of what uh, I've done at uh, Bulbul actually came out of uh, some of the experiments we did on live streaming, on video uh, uh, these are things we tried out at uh, Truly Madly, actually, right? So we got uh, okay. guys to post video profiles to because you know uh, there's obviously in India uh, there are far more guys than girls on uh, on dating platform, right? So how does a guy stand out? So we got guys to do video profiles, so uh, you know to 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 make them seem more interesting. We got guys to go live, right? Uh, so guys uh, playing with a soccer ball, somebody's doing shairi, somebody's playing the guitar, somebody's uh, reading out poetry, stuff like that. Uh, so I think one was just from a product and tech perspective, I think it gave me a fairly decent understanding of how video, uh, and this is uh, four years ago, right? When video wasn't uh, the hot commodity that it is today. This is pretty much around the time Geo was launching. So Geo wasn't the force it is today. Uh, but it gave me uh, insight that, hey, uh, this is where the market is kind of moving. Video is interesting and exciting. Uh, uh, and then, uh, you know, I did a lot of research uh, once we realized that we won't be able to take on Tinder at its own game. Uh, I thought maybe there's a use case in smaller towns for maybe not for dating as the word connotes, but, you know, everyone wants to be in a relationship. Everyone wants uh, needs companionship. So I, you know, started traveling to smaller towns, uh, getting insights from there, talking to customers from smaller towns. Uh, I, I think it's during that journey that I figured out this use case for video and video selling, uh, etc. But that is more, uh, you know, tactical. Uh, I think uh, from a learning, uh, you know, the big learning obviously was that, uh, uh, you know, there was this thesis uh, that we had, uh, which is around what's the right thing for the customer. But I think it was a fairly superficial thesis, right? Uh, it was probably what we also wanted to hear as entrepreneurs. Uh, that you know women want uh, verified profiles and they want that security we had tons of security features on truly madly right women could block profile they could report profiles all that sort of stuff but eventually you know they didn't care about that you know everyone's uh, uh, can take care of themselves from that perspective so i think you have to read uh, between the lines and read far deeper when you're looking trying to glean consumer insights and not try to fit your thesis or narrative with uh, what you're hearing from uh, from consumers, right? I think a lot of us uh, tend to kind of do that and continue doing that. Uh, so I think that, to my mm -hmm. mind, uh, was the was the bigger learning. Did it make you more humble, like you know, realizing that maybe your ego uh, caused you to form that kind of thesis and not see the reality? Did you 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if you listen to, uh, I mean, I don't know where you can, but if you listen to some of my interviews at the beginning of Truly Madly, they're fairly bombastic, right? About uh, taking on Tinder being number one. Uh, uh, you know, we are the India app before it became fashionable to say you are an India app. So we were saying all those things, but eventually it didn't pan out like that, right? I mean, Tinder has just uh, taken the market, uh, and rightfully so, right? I think they have a far, far, far superior product than anyone else out there. And uh, so, no, absolutely. I think uh, uh, you have to listen to, I think, all stakeholders. You have to listen to customers. You have to even listen to a lot of, I think, our colleagues internally were also telling us that, hey, this is the way to go, you know, keep it open. But I think by then it was too late. I think we got that positioning and Tinder was growing and uh, I realized that we won't be able to, even if we did, uh, you know, what Tinder does, we probably won't be able to, you know, take them on. And that's when we hunkered down and uh, said, hey, okay, let's focus on what we've now. Mm-hmm. It's not as if this is not working, right? People are paying us mm-hmm. for verified profile. Mm-hmm. Yes, it will be a much smaller market, but uh, things mm-hmm. will change eventually. And that's what's happened, right? I think, like I said, revenues kind of double because more and more people are seeing the value in what we do. It will still never probably be as big as a Tinder in the near future, but uh, you never know. It's, it's growing, growing really well. So uh, tell me about that decision to move on. How did you find a successor? What what was the trigger that, okay, this is not, uh, like, this is not what I want to do anymore? Yeah, so it was, uh, for me, it was honestly more an opportunity cost. Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I realized that uh, also I was, uh, you know, one, I think I realized that maybe, it wasn't even my problem to solve, right? I was uh, I was married with kids, right? Okay, and then okay. I was mm. uh, solving a problem which wasn't even my problem. Though I spent, uh, having said that, I spent a lot of time at campuses, at call centers, etc. with uh, a lot of young people. And that's why we were still able to build a product which kind of at least to some extent worked for them. But you can only do it to a certain extent, right? Uh, you can't do it beyond. So I think that was uh, one thing which was very apparent, maybe... Uh, 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 you know, I just wasn't willing to kind of see the light. So I think uh, that uh, kind of happened. Uh, Rahul and Hitesh, Hitesh left early. Uh, Rahul also wanted to leave. Uh, and uh, uh, basically, I was left uh, running the company, which was fine. I was kind of happy to do that with a small team. But I really was. So, and then in meetings, I realized that I was contributing more uh, from a strategic level, but I wasn't really contributing on product and on daily kind of stuff, right? I just couldn't make, make that difference anymore. And I could make that difference in the early days. So I was kind of losing out on that. Uh, so I, But I was still very passionate about Truly Madly, not just because it is something I'd started, uh, etc. But I still, even today, believe that uh, there is a space, uh, uh, you know, for, for something like Truly Madly. Uh, so I never want... So actually, uh, our investors, especially K, uh, Sasha Mirchandani, uh, used to tell me uh, once it was pretty apparent that it won't scale the way it was being run. He said, hey, why don't you shut this down? You know, it didn't run. We still believe in you as an entrepreneur. Let's do something else. right? And actually, he gave me a bunch of ideas. He and uh, Naveen, who's his uh, partner, they gave me a bunch of ideas. And he said, we'll still kind of fund you, you know, uh, just, just move on. But I think there was, uh, you know, that bit of obstinacy that uh, a lot of entrepreneurs have to not kind of give up. Uh, so that was there. But yeah, I uh, I wasn't obstinate enough to think that I could still run it. I think I uh, realized that, accepted that. And then uh, Snehal, who now runs uh, uh, Truly Madly, he was actually one of our first product managers. And he was our first, pro- first product manager. And then he gone on to do his own startup, which uh, kind of got sold. Uh, then he joined uh, 
another internet venture uh, you know doing stuff for them so then i kind of got him back and i said hey you uh, you know you are still single you are still young uh, you understand the core philosophy uh, of the business uh, i'm still willing to uh, you know fund it myself personally because i believe there is uh, still some meat in this business uh, why don't you come and run it right uh, and uh, in parallel uh, we'd also started uh, separately an app for the lgbt community called delta uh, with another founder who uh, kind of also moved on because uh, they uh, i helped them raise some money but then uh, they just couldn't build the business beyond that and uh, amit who was the co-founder there uh, and the cto so i got him together with snail and uh, told them that hey guys this is the opportunity both of you understand uh, the dynamics of this business uh, you know uh, give it a shot uh, and both of them really did believe in it and obviously i gave them equity etc i funded the business for another year myself personally and of course they've uh, you know thankfully so yeah so that's really how i decided to move on uh, and uh, you know bulbul is an idea i kind of explored uh, you know 3 years back when i was still at truly magic but i put it on the back burner so because it was just too early that at that point in time so then uh, once i kind of handed over the reins to them and i knew that uh, they will kind of continue with the business because now they had enough skin in the game like one they were passionate about uh, the space and second they obviously had enough equity we recapitalized the company and did, did did all of that and yeah now like i said they're running it successfully uh, it's a profitable company they've just raised a small round of money for the next phase of growth uh, so things are good there So you said that around 2017 only you had the idea for Bulbul. Mm. What was that idea? Yeah. So uh, what I noticed was that uh, uh, you know if you look at small town India, uh, they unlike the very intent-driven solitary experience that you and I have on an Amazon or a Flipkart, uh, small town India still loves to go out and shop. Right. People go out together. Right. It's not people don't go out alone. Right. uh even during the weekday if somebody's uh, in indore is going out to the market they'll you know family with they'll go with family they'll go with friends and it's a very interactive experience you know people talk to each other discuss with each other comment we very personal very into each other's lives care ye lipstick tere pe jach rahi hai ki nahi uh ye parda tere drawing room mein acha lagega ki nahi that kind of stuff right uh, uh and then there's a uh, lot of interactivity with the shopkeeper you know saab andar aa jao kharidna mat dekh lo sirf you know and we like to touch and feel products so i i noticed that whenever i traveled and uh, i was hanging out at a lot of these places and i said there has to be a far more real way of selling uh, versus like i said the the solitary uh, intent driven experience you have on uh, uh, on e-commerce in india right uh, if you look at e-commerce in india i think uh, you know catalog it's it's a catalog right catalog selling has been in the us for maybe 100 years then craigslist came and disrupted that amazon obviously uh, came and disrupted it further uh, amazon india has copied amazon flipkart has copied amazon so it's all the same right uh, it uh, it's uh, so if you are uh, urban english speaking even if you're semi urban highly literate uh, you know you know exactly what you want amazon flipkart are great place to go right you go in search uh, and you get out uh, but when it comes to uh, 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 you know discovery none of them are very friendly when it comes to discovery and indians like to browse indians like to window shop everyone does actually for that matter uh, so i think that was really the germ of the idea uh, uh, and i think i remember coming back from one of the trips uh, got a bunch of girls from office uh, at truly madly uh, 
uh, ready uh, to kind of go live. At that time, there was Facebook Live uh, had just started. So we bought products from the market and we built this uh, little campaign saying, hey, you know, you got a date night and what will you, how will you accessorize yourself? Uh, Truly Madly is bringing you like a session live with some experts and, you know, stuff like that. The idea was really to gauge interactivity, not really to sell stuff. But uh, surprisingly, we actually managed to sell everything we got on, right? Because there was tons of interactivity. People were asking a lot of questions. Uh, they were asking us to bring the earring closer to the camera, show us the inside of the bag, whether it's, uh, you know, you know stuff like that. Uh, so that was pretty exciting. But I think back then, I did not uh, have the confidence to pull it off in the sense that I did not have a co-founding team which could, uh, you know, uh, supplement the skills that I had, right? Uh, this was, I realized this will be an ops heavy business. Uh, I realized it will be a tech and product heavy business. And uh, obviously, I, I still understand product, but obviously, clearly not, uh, you know, uh, ops is not something that, uh, you know, comes kind of naturally to me. Uh, and then obviously, video was still, it was very early days for video back then. Uh, you know, Geo was just about kind of, uh, you know, it's it still, like I said, was in the force. Uh, it is now. Uh, uh, and uh, then uh, I think live streaming video tech was kind of hard to come by. Uh, so, uh, you know, I said, hey, maybe this is too early. So I just kept it on the back burner. And then once I decided to exit uh, uh, truly madly, that's when Atit, who's my co-founder uh, and who I've known for the last five, six years uh, through his various startups. And then he was with Seth uh, Partners as an investor last. He, he'd left Seth and he'd come to me with a bunch of ideas. And I showed him all the pilots I'd done, the business plan. I, I, I had everything ready, actually. Uh, uh, you know, I showed it to him. He got super excited. We, again, uh, threadbare the idea, whiteboarded it, uh, went back to some of the smaller towns, uh, you know, met with customers. Uh, and yeah, that's when we decided to, that, hey, this is what we want to do next. So Bulbul is pure live streaming. It's essentially like a live streaming shopping experience. It's both live and pre-recorded videos, but it's all video, uh, video commerce. It has live and pre-records both. What is the way in which you see this uh, evolving? Uh, you know, what do you see as like a five-year evolution of uh, Bulbul? Yeah, so I think we look at it uh, like a like in a way like a three-way kind of marketplace, right? Of these influencers or micro influencers. Uh, of uh, vendors, suppliers, manufacturers, D2C brands, and consumers, right? Uh, I think in the future, we should be a credible platform and a credible brand, which people trust. Uh, uh, they trust the influencers who are there. Uh, they trust the brands that they can buy. Uh, eventually, an influencer should be able to directly, you know, go to a brand and say, hey, or a brand should be able to approach an influencer saying, hey, uh, you, you know, you are known, you're, for say selling apparel, I sell apparel, why don't you promote my products, right? And we then take care of payments, logistics, uh, you know, all of that stuff. But that's still some time in the future. Currently, we obviously curate and control the entire experience. But that's where we see ourselves uh, eventually heading towards. Where uh, Anyone who's a great content creator, anyone who can sell on video, and it could be a manufacturer himself, right? If I'm, if I make belt cushion covers in uh, in in Panipat, uh, I should be able to make my own video because I understand the product well. Uh, and if I'm confident in front of the camera, I should be able to make my own video, put it up on Bulbul, uh, or put it up on my Instagram, and then Bulbul enables the entire transaction. Uh, tell me about your fundraise journey also. 
Yeah, so uh, we uh, end of or well rather early last year uh, we got into the surge program uh, which is run by sequoia for early stage uh, startups so exceptional program probably among the most unique programs in the world in terms of uh, you know the quality of the investor first which is sequoia quality of other founders and just the quality of uh, people they let you kind of network with interface with uh, uh, content sessions etc so we uh, we were the first companies uh, i mean we were the first company in surge uh, uh, first company that they kind of uh, signed on so we raised some money then you already had revenue at that stage no no we were actually didn't even have a product it was just a concept it was just like a ppt uh, so it was atit and me and we got sanjay over to hit technology then from mintra uh, so uh, so yeah so we got into surge uh, raised 2 million dollars uh, from sequoia uh, from surge and from a fund called leo capital uh, and then we launched the product in march uh, then raised uh, some more money from a fund called cdh which is a chinese fund and from uh, sequoia and leo again and we've just concluded another fundraise uh, with infoedge uh, and again sequoia and leo uh, so yeah we Uh, that's pretty much been our fundraise. So we've raised around fifteen million dollars to date, and yeah, that's that's been the fundraising journey so far. And the fund is uh, the funding is for what? Like, yeah, is it for uh, uh, building a team or, or is it for marketing? No, yes, yeah, I think the team is in place. It's more to I think build this network of uh, influencers out uh, at scale. Uh, i think we've proven that we can do that i think we've proven that we know how to sell through videos how to create content i think all of those tick boxes are done the team is completely in place we're not really hiring uh, any more now uh, we've set up a call center uh, except a couple of hires here and there the, the, all positions are kind of done so yeah this is for a next uh, kind of phase of growth uh, uh, and really setting up this uh, you know differentiated marketing sales channel of uh, of selling via uh, via these influencers what does the app look like it does it look like an amazon app where you have products listed and you click on a product and instead of a photo you see a video is that what it looks like or no it uh, has uh, it's more uh, uh, like a gif so you'll see these big uh, big windows uh, with uh, with products with a host uh, with a slight description and when you click on that you get into a video and Uh, in the video itself you can buy the product you don't need to kind of come back to a catalog or whatever so the uh, it's all enabled on the video itself you can buy and then it's a typical e-commerce flow till uh, you exit uh, you you've completed your purchase you also use the same videos on other like youtube insta etc or are they exclusively on bulbul only the... we use them off app also no so that in a way is also like a content marketing uh, strategy yes 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 So, uh, what next for uh, Sachin? You know, I mean, you are, uh, I think, somebody who gets restless after every few years. And you know, what do you think will happen a couple of years down the line once you feel Bulbul is stable? What do you think will be the next phase of life for you? Yeah, no, yeah, I think no. I mean, uh, see, um, make it. It does sound like that. Make my trip was ten years. Uh, truly, madly was five years. Uh, not short by any stretch of imagination. Not short stints by any stretch of imagination. I think this is, uh, you know, uh, uh, pretty much hopefully my last gig. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, one has to make it count from that perspective. So that kind of positive pressure is there. 
but uh, you know uh, what i'm doing is great it's super exciting i get to work with uh, very very young people my co-founder is 32 i'm 48 uh, you know so obviously it keeps me extremely young and agile uh, uh, and we are in an interesting space right it's not only e-commerce but it's also content it's also video which is like the next big thing uh, it's also about uh, uh, you know uh, the larger indian population which is coming online uh so it's all uh, it's it's all converging very well right it's all exciting uh, uh you know uh, all all the pieces are very very exciting uh so yeah i think uh, the idea is to scale this uh, grow this uh, make this pretty much a third front to uh, an amazon or a flipkart because the audience is a very video first audience right they are not like guys like you and me who who first consume the written content these guys the first piece of content these guys have consumed is the video content right and that too in local languages like we only do we don't have any english content on that uh so i think it's at a place where uh, every each element is kind of exciting and that's what keeps me kind of excited uh so I, you know i don't see anything beyond this at least in the near future this is what uh, i i hopefully want to continue kind of doing so and what is it that you are currently seeking as learning like what kind of learning are you seeking and i mean you know speaking from experience most entrepreneurs are essentially seeking to learn and being an entrepreneur is like a, a outcome of that desire to learn i mean i don't know if they truly believe that or they just say that to sound deep <laughs> so <laughs> I, i i i don't know how much of that uh, is is genuinely true no and i think uh, i am looking at i mean i think learning is an outcome right uh, for me it's about building a successful business for me it's about uh, building something endearing uh, for the team that is working on this and has put a lot of effort into it and obviously something that consumers find useful right obviously along the way i learn how to build a bigger and better organization i learn uh, insights into consumers that probably are not second nature to me sitting here in the city uh, you know uh, how does and i've learned so much right how do uh, local language users uh, how do people in smaller towns how do they think what do they look for uh, you know so i think those learnings will kind of happen along the way uh, obviously you uh, become uh, uh, you know with experience you become a little more resilient to outside forces uh, whether it's uh, you know investors or what people say or what people will think etc those things kind of matter to you less uh, so i think uh, for me the big thing is uh, building this into something which is successful yeah profitable successful uh, and scalable uh, what i learn along the way uh, let's see what i learn yeah i mean I, one, one obviously keeps learning who are some of the people that inspire you you know like real life people not like people that you read about in books oh, that's that's a tough one i'm not uh, i mean i don't want to sound uh, Uh, you know it's not as if i'm not easily inspired or something i i think i uh, i i mean there are some people who are uh, you know i don't have a mentor right uh, that uh, you know but there are people who kind of i look up to people who i seek advice from but i think real inspiration this might sound a little cliche but it's to i think for me real inspiration comes from uh, uh, you know small kind of businessmen uh, uh, it could be a you know there's uh, uh, i came across this uh, uh, fruit seller right uh, in uh, in malaysia in penang uh, it's an island north of malaysia and uh, this guy uh, 
comes at a particular time every day and he cuts fruit but and he does it on a cycle right and uh, you know he is wearing a glove uh, he cuts each fruit with a certain amount of precision uh, each kind of fruit is uh, cut uh, to the same size uh, he doesn't touch the product at all so he's wearing a glove and he slides he cuts it on his glove and then he slides it into a packet uh, through the glove only right now and i've seen him do it day after day uh, every day uh, for for a very long period of time and and the process never changes right and uh, i think those those are some of the things i think about right those are things which are uh, very very inspiring for me to hey just show up uh, you know be the last man standing kind of thing but show up every day i think i find inspiration in that but you know i uh, uh deep and rajesh who run uh, make my trip uh, sanjeev bikchandani who was on our board at make my trip and now is on our board at uh, bulbul these are people i know immediately and personally and i seek them out uh, for uh, uh, for advice for help etc and uh, they are truly inspirational right uh, like deep's been doing this now uh, uh, for 20 years uh, you know day in and day out and i think it takes a lot right uh, to kind of uh, do this sanjeev's been doing this for longer uh and to me uh i think that uh, is a big source of inspiration that hey uh, uh you know keep plugging away right uh, uh and i think that keep plugging away is like a big theme for me that uh, just keep doing what you're doing be the last man standing uh, you know uh, th- that's important what is it that makes a sanjeev bikchandani invest in somebody like what does he look for uh, is it like he looks at the quality of the team or is it like uh, they do a numbers uh, analysis and look at the market opportunity and stuff like that or yeah i don't i uh, you know uh, i don't think i have gotten into his mind to know how he think but what i've seen on the surface is that uh, he likes uh, ideas uh, uh, which are very grounds up he likes ideas which are for the masses and not niche kind of businesses at least that's that's my reading i mean he might have made investments which are which might seem a little niche today but i think overall that's what he kind of looks at uh, he has obviously a stellar investment team uh, which is run by uh, kitty agarwal and she's i think more uh, the nuts and bolts uh, kinds of kind of person and i think he relies on her a lot uh, uh, but i think sanjeev really likes businesses which are uh, more uh, 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 you know where the market is huge where the consumer market is huge which is addressing the larger indian kind of population i think he likes uh, from what i've seen he loves those kind of businesses and obviously founders then who are uh, you know either who have some experience or who can kind of who are flexible i think that's important one for him from whatever i've seen he doesn't like people who are kind of stuck in their ways or seem to know it all uh, i think he likes people who are a little flexible who like to listen and who really value because he is not only an invest i mean he is uh, he is obviously a very successful investor now uh, but he's also you need to value him for the entrepreneur that he is and uh, i when i think of seeking advice from him it is about uh, that part of uh, the learning one can get from him which is more around the business entrepreneurship etc versus uh, his inputs as an investor Mm-hmm. and what makes uh, surge select a company like what is their uh, way of uh, choosing which company to back yeah i think they look at the classic thing they look at uh, they look at the team they look at uh, the business idea they look at the addressable market so i don't think they look at uh, things very differently but they just have a 
sharper sense given the collective experience of the team on what will work, what will not work, what will scale versus probably a lot of other guys uh, because they've seen uh, very closely businesses both in Southeast Asia and India, which a lot of Indian investors, Indian investors have seen stuff here, right? Uh, because of Shalendra in Southeast Asia and because of the rest of the search team in India, I think they have a very good sense of how both markets work, uh, what will scale, what will not. Uh, so I think that's the advantage that they have as a team. And that's why the Surge program is so successful. Uh, so Surge plays the role of an angel investor? Like they would invest in you even before you have an MVP or a, a something? Yeah, it depends. I think they've done it in some cases. I don't think that's the norm. Uh, but they, are, they do look at a fairly early stage uh, businesses, yes. I mean, they've invested in companies which are two, three years old also. But those companies are still small companies and now ready for the next kind of stage of growth. Well, ladies and gents, that was Sachin Bhatia, the founder of Pulpul. Be sure his incredible journey has not only inspired you, but has also intrigued that curious brain of yours about what live streaming of a product actually means. For those who are not familiar with Sachin's online shopping methodology, head to Bulbul TV now and while you explore the website, suit yourself to some exciting offers and deals. Happy shopping! If you like the Founder Thesis podcast, then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing, technology, career advice, books and drama. Visit thepodium.in that is T-H-E-P-O-D-I-U-M dot I-N for a complete list of all our shows. This was an HD Smartcast original. HD Smartcast. Log on to hdsmartcast.com to listen to more such podcasts.